Let's pray. Lord, we pray that the words of our mouth now and the meditation of our hearts would be found acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We are now in the fourth of an eight-week message series based on the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. The title of the series is Life's Healing Choices. But before we move forward today, I want to take us backward just a bit and review where we've been so far. And I'm going to just give you a few things very short and sweet where we've been. In week number one, I can't. We talked about that. I can't do anything to take care of myself. Week number two, God can. God is the one who knows about our life. God is the one who can take care of our life. Last week, it was let him. I mean, if I can't and God can, I should let him take care of it. Now, this fourth choice, I'm calling the house cleaning choice. And the house cleaning choice is simply this. And it said, I openly examine and confess my faults, not only to myself, but to God and to someone I trust. Now, think about that for a moment. God is saying, He's encouraging us to openly examine ourselves, be real with ourselves, and then confess our faults, our sins, to who? To ourselves, to God, and to someone else. Now, some of you might already be looking at that and think to yourself, hold on, I didn't sign up for this. Maybe admit things to myself, sure, I could probably do that. Maybe I can admit my shortcomings, my sins to God. After all, God already knows everything. God already knows what I've done. But I'm not ready to bear my soul to anybody else. I'm not willing to sit down with anybody else and tell them about my sins. But you, if that's what you think, just relax a little because I'm not asking you to do that. And neither is God, really. But God, what God is asking all of us today is this. He's asking us to be honest. Honest with him, honest with ourselves, and be honest with the people who live around you. It's because freedom is impossible without honesty. Part of what Matt read this morning came from John chapter 8. It said, when you know the truth, it will set you free. In other words, truth is the cost of freedom, but freedom is the reward of truth and honesty. If we want to really be free of all that garbage, all that stuff, all that sin, all that guilt, all that nonsense that many of us kind of carry around with all of our lives, if we want to be free from that, it does begin with being honest with ourselves, to be able to look in the mirror in the morning and not, you know, to say, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest one of all? And by golly, it's me again. No, it's to be able to look in the mirror and say, I'm looking in the face of an honest-to-goodness, full-time sinner. I sin each and every day. I sinned yesterday. I'll sin today. Chances are I'll sin tomorrow. But just be honest with who you are. And at the same time, being honest with God. To be able to come and not just to say, Lord, I confess my sin to you. Please forgive it. But maybe be so honest with him that you would actually tell him what that sin is. Not, not because he doesn't know what it is. But maybe it would be actually good for you to say out loud in your prayers what that sin is. Now, sometimes we kind of 
collect all of our sin under one big word. Oh, Lord, forgive us our sins. Okay, your sin is forgiven. Maybe sometimes it would be good to name those. After all, you did them individually. You didn't kind of do them in one big lump. And then sometimes it's good for you to find somebody else, some person you trust, some other godly person, somebody who's not going to beat you up over it, and sit down with them and have an honest-to-goodness, heart-to-heart conversation. Now, in order to do this, we're going to take a look at the things Jesus taught us. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, 8. We're going through the Beatitudes. This is the next one. It says, Happy or blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, if you look at that passage on the screen, that first one, the first thing I want you to notice is what it does not say. Jesus did not say, happy are the religious in heart. You know, some of the unhappiest people I have ever met in my life are religious. They are religious down deep in their heart. And guess what? Religious people, if you know them, they won't be happy until everybody else is just as miserable as they are. Religious people, man, tough folks. Now, you know anybody like that? Let me describe a religious person. A religi- for a religious person, their entire life is a bunch of rules. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. I mean, they, they try to make you think that that's what the entire life of Christ is like. But friends, I've been a Christian long enough to realize that the Christian life is not about don't. The Christian life is do. Like, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It, it isn't about can't, like, you can't do that. I mean, if you want to be a real Christian, you can't do that. Now, I think being a Christian is, guess what, you can do this. I mean, God says you can do it. Uh, the Christian life is not about no. Man, there's some people, that's their only word in their book. No, 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 no. That was, that was what they called you when you were little. No, no. <laughs> and, and when you got, what they should have been said, yeah, yeah, it's all about yes. You see the second passage up there, John 10, 10. Jesus said, I have come in order that you might have life. And then he says, life in all its fullness. Back in the um, King James, I think it says abundant life, abundant life. Now, in other words, Jesus does not want you to be religious. If you look at the sign out front, what does it say? What does it say? What? Okay, this is your sign for the abundant life. Well, good, I'm glad she's learning you something. I have to meet with her supervisor next week. So, okay, she learned him one thing now. Okay. Okay, this is the sign for abundant life? What does that mean, really? I mean, why is this abundant life? Well, they can't... What was the next sign? What? Okay. Okay, good. Learn something. Everybody, Everybody do that? There you go. We'll learn something today. I have come in order that they might have life, abundant life. There you go. I don't know what that means, but now when you see it, you're going to know, oh, abundant life. Okay. Now, on our church sign, it says God is looking for spiritual fruit, not religious nuts. Now, I put that up there for a reason, because the church is too full of religious people. The don'ts, the can'ts, the no's when instead it ought to be the do's, the can's, the yeses. See, God doesn't want us to be religious. He wants us to be real. Happy are the pure in heart, not the religious in heart. I'm going to go back to a story in John chapter 11. 
it's the story about where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. A really interesting story in John chapter 11. And in John chapter 11, um, I want us just to think about a couple of verses, and they may be up on the screen, but there's a truth that we need to discover. Now, something I want you to remember about the Bible is this. The Bible doesn't just tell us the things that God did, but it also tells us how God did things. Let me just read to you John 11, 43 44. Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was covered with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Now you get this picture, they rolled the rock away. They were worried about rolling the rock away because he'd been in the grave four days already. They said he stinks probably. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. It's like the original mummy. I mean, he's bound hand and foot. He's got a cloth over his face. Now, there's some significance here, if you think about it. That little picture means that nothing that binds you up, nothing that, that keeps you from fullness of life, nothing that covers you up or keeps you hidden, none of that can withstand the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. Now, when you gave your life to Christ, however that happened, maybe you came baptized as a child, maybe it was a little bit later of life, whatever it is, it, whenever that happened, the Bible says he brought you from death to life. It's like somebody said, roll the stone away, come on out into life. But there are still some things that keep you from what? The abundant life, if I can use that again. Things that still hold us back, things that still restrict us, things that keep us from reaching or finding that abundant life, everything God has in store for us. But Jesus says, I want to free you from all of that junk, all of that stuff. It's just not enough that I bring you from death to life. I want to bring you into total freedom. And how does he do it? He does it through his people. Now, I want to go back to that story again of Lazarus just for a moment. In John 11, Jesus said to them, now here's the question, who is, or who are the them? Jesus said to them, who are them? Well, them are the disciples. Them are his followers, or to use really bad English, them are us. <laughs> Sounds like a toy store, doesn't it? Well, them are us, but them, them are us. Jesus said, you. He said, you disciples, you followers. In fact, he'd say to everybody here this way, you loosen him. You let him go. See, it's about helping other people walk into freedom and help get rid of all of that stuff that's on them so that, you know, that would ordinarily trip them up or cover them up so that they can actually get out and have that life that God wants them to have. Now, notice something, because it's a bad habit of Christians. I want you to notice that what, something else it doesn't say. It doesn't say, loosen them up and then wrap them up again in something else. A lot of people do that. You know, here they get all this stuff away. They've now become Christians, and then we wrap them up in some form of religiosity again and tell them, now that you're a Christian, you can't do this. Now that you're a Christian, don't do that. Now that you're a Christian, no, 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 no. Don't wrap people all back up again. It said, let them go. Get the stuff off them, and then let them go. Aim their feet to heaven. In Galatians chapter 5, 1, Paul says, it is for freedom 
that Christ has set us free. It wasn't so that he could bind us up and restrict us again. And John says, if the Son has set you free, what? You are free indeed. So that's why we say happy or blessed are the pure in heart. Not blessed are the religious in heart. Now you might say, well, you know, that sounds kind of good, but how is it possible to be pure in heart because I know me, and when I look at me, I don't see a whole lot of purity going on. Now, all of us ought to be able to say that. Look in the mirror, we kind of go, hmm, purity? I think not. Well, first, it's, it's important for you to know something. It's important for you to know that not a single one of you here can make your heart pure. Good behavior will never purify your heart, but a pure heart will change your behavior. Repentance is not what you do in order to get forgiveness. Repentance is what you do because your forgiveness has already been won and paid for by Jesus. I always love Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8 says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He did not wait for us to clean up our act. I mean, he didn't look at us and say, yeah, Mark, I'd be happy to save you, but you better get yourself straightened out here, buddy. Didn't do that. It says, while you were still sinning, he died for you. I mean, the only way you will ever be pure, this sounds kind of, it's going to sound kind of odd, the only way for you to be pure is to take a blood bath. That means you are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way to have a pure heart. It is through the shed blood of Jesus, the blood that was shed on the cross for all of your sins. So purity of heart is the gift of God's grace. I've been so moved by grace lately, I'm going to do a new series. It's going to be called Grace Anatomy. I got the title. That's the series, Grace Anatomy. We're going to talk about what grace is really all about. But I'm going to tell you that grace, you cannot buy it. You cannot earn it. The only way is full-out surrender. Let him forgive you of your sins, purify your heart, give you a new one. In 2 Corinthians, it says, anyone who belongs to Christ... Well, let me, let me, I can ask you, how many of you would say you belong to Christ? Okay, that's you. The Bible says if you belong to Christ, you have become, that's, that's past tense, you have become a new person. The old life, who you are before you came to Jesus, it says that's gone. A new life has begun. I always think of, particularly about, you know, babies. When you bring babies up here for baptism, it's like they're still living the old life. But now when Jesus gives them a new life through the water and the word, suddenly there's a whole brand new life. The old one is gone. The brand new one is yet to live. That's why Jesus is happy or blessed are the pure in heart. Why? Because now you're going to see God. Now you might still be thinking, I, I don't see how this is possible because quite honestly, when I look in the mirror, purity is not what I see. And if I'm going to be really honest with myself, and if I'm going to be honest with God, and I'm going to be honest with the, the rest of you, my mind and my hands and my mouth is dirty. Now, if that you, I'm going to tell you a dirty little secret right here in church. That affliction, dirty hands, dirty mouth, dirty mind, dirty whatever, guess what? It's everybody here. You're not alone. You're not alone. 
Now, that's really important for us all to understand. Now, I should tell you, the religious people are sitting there going, well, it is me, because I don't do anything. That's your problem. You don't do anything. You've been don'ting people, but you don't do anything. See, what you need to understand is the basis of a pure heart is not how good you've been. The basis for a pure heart is how good God is. And guess what? It doesn't happen overnight. It's a lifelong process. I just had a birthday a week or so ago, and I can tell you, for 66 years now, it's just been a day-after-day sanctification process. Now, we've got a role to play in it, and so do all of God's people around us. Your role is kind of surrender. You cooperate with what God wants to do to help you become what you already are. So in Romans 4, it says, God calls things that were not as though they were. He sees us right now. He sees every last one of you as already being pure in heart. But there's a process to get you to become what he already sees. Now, we might call it, if we want to do a theology lesson here, there's justification. That's what God has already done through Jesus Christ. Now here comes the sanctification part. Now that you're a believer, you've got the spirit living in you, now you work on becoming what God already sees. And he uses a variety of things. Now, for example, if you fall down, he says, get back up. And if you fall down again, he says, get back up again. Now, every time you fall down, that's where other people come in. You need people who love you. You need people who love the Lord. Uh, people are going to help you get back up. They're going to help you go forward. And when you fall down, guess what? All you're going to do is you're going to confess it, you're going to repent it, and you're going to move on again. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It's one of these promises that begins with a premise. Every promise in the Bible does have a premise, by the way. The premise is, if we confess our sins, that's our part. If we confess our sins, here comes the promise. He, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all our unrighteousness. Now, now, but I don't want you to misunderstand me here. I don't want you to walk out of here and and think that I told you that God somehow is soft on sin. God is not soft on sin. Your mom and dad may be soft on sin. Your grandma and grandpa may be soft on sin. The community you may live in is, may be soft on sin. God is not soft on sin. In fact, God absolutely hates sin. Does not hate the sinner. Loves the sinner. Hates the sin. The sin is what separated us from him. You talk about abundant life, sin did this. No more abundant life. Crack that baby wide open. Sin is what made Jesus go to that cross. But the Bible says he still loves us and he promises to forgive us. He promises to make our hearts pure. So don't run away from God when you sin. We looked at that in adult Bible class today. What happened when Adam and Eve first sinned? They ran off and they hid and people have been hiding from God ever since. Instead, run to God. Receive that forgiveness. Receive that strength to keep marching forward. Now, again, you might think, if it's all forgiven, then why can't I just kind of carry on with my own life? Well, the answer is because that's not how it works. The Bible says in Philippians 2, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. 
You get that? It says to work hard to show the results of your salvation. God's already taken care of your salvation through Jesus. Now, he says, work hard to show the results of that. You work out what God has already worked in you. And remember, this is a process. Man, I just, I wish it was an overnight deal. I really wish it was. A couple of weeks ago, some of you know, I was down in Louisiana State Prison in Angola. And when I'm down there, I, I revisit a lot of friends that I've made over there, a lot of inmates. And I was talking to one guy. Uh, a man who actually came to the Lord uh, a year or two ago. I, I still remember the night he came down the aisle and accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And so I always check up with him and, and on him, and we had a chance to sit down after a church service. And, you know, I could just already see. I was watching him during church, and he was just worshiping God to beat the band. I mean, he knows all about full-out surrender, believe me. <laughs> he's, uh, he, he's made such wonderful progress since the first time I met him and the first time he came to Jesus. But as we sat and we talked, in his mind he told me that all he could see was everything he still had to do. So he had that little twinge of what? Religious hanging on him. You know, things had changed, but he kept seeing all this stuff that still had to be done. And he told me, he said, it's like everything I try to deal with, God just dumped something else on me. He said, it's kind of like God is building a case against me. Now, I had to help him see that it's not God piling it on. God's not the God of pile on. God is the God of, let's take it off. God doesn't want to load you down with guilt. God wants to strip that guilt away. He wants to free you up from guilt. He wants to bring you into freedom. It says, it's, not for, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. I had to help him understand that we cannot ultimately heal a wound until we expose it and we cleanse that wound. And then that wound begins to heal. I want you to think again about that verse from 1 John. Go back to 1 John there. Uh, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise. God promises forgiveness. For every sin, I don't care what sin, if you think you've committed the worst sin that, that anybody's ever committed, you haven't committed the big one. Other than the big sin of pride, thinking that you're better than everybody else with sin, which I don't think is anything to be proud about. You, you know, even the Bible says, you know, no, there's nothing new under the sun. I don't care what sin you got. God promises I can do it, and God never, ever breaks his promises. In fact, I would challenge any of you to come up with a promise that God has made that he has not fulfilled. Now, why is it? Now, human beings, we break promises all the time. Yeah, I promise I'll come over after supper. And then you just blow people off. You don't care. But we're human beings. Why can we trust God? Well, it's because God loves us so much. God cares for us. He wants to bring us into freedom, not just death into life. He wants to go from death into this full life. You all know that, abundant life. That's the pathway. And the pathway is what? Happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So let me ask you, do you want to have a pure heart? Do you want to see God at work in your life? Do you want to see God at work in your family? Do you want to see God at work in your household or your business or your classrooms or in your friendships or your relationships? I mean, do you want to see God 
wherever you're at. In other words, do you really want to see freedom? Now, if I were to ask that down in prison, do you really want freedom? You know what those guys down there, now I understand the average sentence is 88 years. If I asked them, do you really want freedom? You know what they would tell me? They'd say, Doc, we already got it. In fact, we are freer than a whole lot of those folks that live outside these prison gates. And the reason we are freer is because the Lord has set us free. They may put barbed wire around us, but we are free. We know that John 8:36 says that, the, that who the Son sets free is free indeed. Now, where does that begin? Being honest with God. Being honest with yourself. Admitting your faults to other people. A couple more Bible passages. Go to Psalm 32. There should be one with Psalm 32 up there. Is there? Maybe not. Okay. In Psalm 32, uh, the psalmist is wrestling with sin. And in fact, he's wrestling with having hidden from God. And in Psalm 32, 5, it says, Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. Man, how good that must have felt. Or James 2.10. I love this one. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I know people who have been bound up physically, who couldn't stand up straight, who confessed the sin and walked out of a church healed. I see it all the time down in prison. Guys who are hunched over and guys who suffer migraine headaches and suffer from all kinds of things who when Christ comes into their life and they're set free, some of those physical ailments suddenly disappear. Now I know that this kind of honesty with yourself, that kind of honesty with God, other people, is pretty scary. I'm not denying that one minute. But I wonder why be afraid of God when God loves you so much. You don't have to be afraid of the consequences of your sin. After all, they've already been taken care of. I mean, God already paid for every last sin you and I ever did. Now, you just need to step into that freedom. And to do that, I just want you to remember three things. Number one is, remember God's kindness. Oh, wonderful Bible passage we can think about that. Romans 2, 4. God's kindness leads you towards repentance. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Any of you ever feel condemned? It's not God doing it to you. It's the devil, or the devil through other people. They do the condemning. God never does that. So remember God's kindness. The second thing, remember his faithfulness. Philippians 1.6, I'm convinced that God who began this good work in you will carry it through the completion to the day of Jesus Christ. Or you can look at Romans 8.30. Uh, Romans 8, 38, 39, I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, the present, the future, the powers, the height, the depth, you know, addictions, hang-ups, problems, sins, you name it. None of that can separate us from what? The love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So remember his kindness, remember his faithfulness, and third, remember God's promises. Man, First John again, that's where that passage comes. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us all of our sins, and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. Christ is the yes to all of God's promises. So what's the really good news for today? Well, the really good news for today is this, friends. God is at work in you. 
If Christ is your Lord and Savior, he's working in you right now. He's already started that process, that sanctification process. He already sees you as having a pure heart. I mean, he has already decreed a pure heart for you. He's got you in the process of becoming who you are. You don't have to be afraid. You just follow him into it and expect and, and just enjoy the freedom that he desires to give you. That's the house cleaning choice. I want you to remember, too, that while Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, it took his friends to set him free. Let me leave you with two questions that you ought to learn to ask. Maybe ask God these two questions this week. Number one, what do I still need to be set free from? What do I still need to be set free from? And question number two, who could I possibly talk to that might help me find that freedom? Start with yourself, talk to God, and maybe find another person. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would come into my life and the life of these people to set us free, to purify our hearts, to show us how to live the life the way you want us to, to bring us from death to life. And we give our life to you. We surrender ourselves to you. We pray that you would lead us into right relationships on the right pathway to live life in its fullness the way you've always meant it to be. For we pray it in the blessed name of Jesus, who also taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever.